Hello Habit Mechanics, it's Dr John Finn here. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Welcome to a shorter episode of the Habit Mechanic podcast. Remember, you can listen to live episodes of the Habit Mechanic podcast inside the Habit Mechanic University app, where you can ask us questions live and we will answer you during the live streamed podcast. Inside the app, you can also access your Habit Mechanic Toolkit. You can also watch our live masterclasses and join our live Change Challenge coaching sessions. You can download the app for free. If we could just start off by asking you to explain what is resilience? How, how do you define it in the Habit Mechanic book? How do you explain it? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people use that word a lot, but often they can be they can mean very different things. I do remember so I worked I used to work a lot in professional football. And I remember right at the start of that journey, the word resilience was being um used a lot in press conferences and by the media in relation to football. And um I remember some manager defining it as its bounce back ability. And uh, I think eventually that made it into the Oxford uh, Dictionary as, a, as, a, as an example. But I think if, if, if I want to help people to be more resilient, if habit mechanic uh, coaches want to help people to be more resilient, if we want to help ourselves to be more resilient, we have to have a more explicit understanding of, well, what does it actually mean? And the way I understand it, it's a two-part process. The first part is recognising so via doing intelligent self-watching, that you are thinking or doing something that isn't helpful for you. So you might recognize that you're beating yourself up too much. You might recognize that you're not looking after yourself very well in terms of your sleep, your diet, your exercise. You might recognize that you're procrastinating quite a lot during the day. And we've created loads of intelligent self-watching tools, including our habit metric tools that people can use to do that. The second part of being resilient then is doing something proactive about the challenges that you've noticed. So if you notice that you're beating yourself up too often, the second part of being resilient is doing something about that. So it's, it's working to build better thinking habits, which might uh, start by learning more about the stress process and then habitualizing some of the different habit mechanic tools you can use to, to um, manage those unhelpful stress responses, like uh, you might end up at the end of the day writing a three-to-one reflection. So it's a simple two-part process is the way I see resilience. One is it's recognising that you're doing some unhelpful things and then it's doing something about that. And, of course, the first step to do – well, the first part of both those processes – is switching on that prefrontal cortex to recognize and to stop and to take yourself out of the automaticity, which you're using your hack brain to do and willpower to do. And it's the same then when you want to start building a new helpful habit, you're going to use your prefrontal cortex again or your hack brain and your willpower. Yeah, that's great, John. I think I think you've already helped us to to understand how we can use willpower and 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 
hence understand how resilience actually operates. Um, I think it's beneficial to point out people using the Habit Mechanic University app and people going to the Tougher Minds website, they'll have seen perhaps some tools and, and short short exercises, uh, the daily tea plan, for instance. These are actually uh, practical ways that that you know you've developed to to get this two step process working for people. Is that right? Yes. So at the heart of everything we're doing is we want to help people to become more resilient. And I'm sure in this podcast we're going to explore there's actually some different ways people, different groups of scientists explain resilience. Or maybe I just say that now. So we heard, we heard the term emotional regulation from neuroscientists there that's really about being resilient we hear the term emotional self-control from social scientists that's also about being resilient so the, the challenge with most of the the self-help that we're using most of the coaching we're getting most of the training that we're getting to help us to be at our best is that it, it just get it gets stuck on knowing we just get more information about what it would be a good idea to do differently. So we might have a resilience training program that explains to us what resilience is and some things that you might do to help you to be more resilient. Our training is different because we actually, we don't just teach you how to use the tools. We, we've created the app so that you can use them and habitualize using them every single day. So something like the T-Plan sounds very simple but it's very complex in terms of how it's helping you to become more resilient. And it's allowing you to, in just three simple steps, to go through the resilient cycle of intelligent self-watching and then doing something about it, but doing something about it in a using very sophisticated insights from behavioral science, even though you don't need to know what those sophisticated insights are because you will activate those insights just by working through the, the simple T plan process. You know, so every day when people are posting their T plans in the app in the at my best community, they are being resilient. That's what they're doing. Neuroscientists would say they're regulating their emotions. Social scientists would say that they're deploying emotional self-control. But I think the best, simplest way to think about it is about being resilient. Yeah, and I think that really brings it home to me how, um, as you as you write in chapter thirteen, emotions are central to this, um, and and what I think you're saying is that effectively we can improve the way we think by practice. We can improve our mindset, if you like, by practicing um, to be more resilient. I mean, some people would say that they're born resilient. Uh, you would say, I'm sure, that we can develop it. Yeah, I think saying you're born resilient is fine, but it's an oversimplification of things. Um, resilience is very contextual. You might be really resilient physically, so you play rugby or a tough sport and you don't mind if someone hits you very hard in the tackle, but you might be very fragile in relationships. You know, So you're very resilient in one element of your life, but very fragile in another area. And yeah, we, we can see neurobiologically, which I think we're going to get into in the next, um, when, we, when we talk about chapter 14 of the book, that the sites in our brain that we use to be resilient, they're like plasticine, um, they're remoldable, but they're also like muscles in the sense of the more you work them out, the stronger they get. 
So yeah, it doesn't matter how resilient you are on a scale of one to 10 about any specific area in your life. With the right type of practice, you can strengthen those wires in your brain that are connected to being resilient. So completing a daily teeth plan every day is like going to the gym for resilience. Completing a three to one every day is like going to the gym to help you to be more resilient. And actually posting it in the app is a supercharger because you're strengthening the learning that um, and brain development that you're getting from completing that exercise because you are, by posting it into the at your best community, you're actually strengthening those neurobiological connections further and therefore developing your, your resilience further. Now, I want to talk to you um, in a few moments about um, quite a seminal piece of work that um, a social psychologist uh, undertook and, and is fascinating about the benefits of resilience. I'm sure people would be interested to hear more about that. But but I think also it's it's important to point out that when we do practice becoming resilient, as you've just described, and you've just described the process and, of course, referred to the tools in the Habit Mechanic University app. Um, it is um, a, a transformative, potentially a transformative, it has a transformative effect on us. It can help us with so many things like being happier, uh, being healthier, improving our our dietary intake, that kind of thing. It, it is uh, an overarching force for good, if you like, for us. Yes, if if we if we use the definition that it's about understanding ourselves and the things that we're doing well, but also the things that are getting in the way of us being at our best, so understanding our destructive habits and then being able to build new helpful super habits, then yeah, it can help us with anything. Um, so it's a fundamental foundational process in terms of recognizing the things that are getting in the way of us being at our best, but also helping us to practice new things, both thinking and doing, that make it easier for us to be at our best. So yeah, it's so foundational. Um, it's something that we should just get taught, you know, from a very young age, which is what in the, in the, the, the schools that use the Tougher Minds program, where they're teaching their young people to become habit mechanics, then obviously they are learning to be resilient from a young age. You know, actually, it was really interesting. I can't cite the study. Someone told me about it, but it came out of Oxford University. Um, and Oxford University did a big analysis of mindfulness on mindfulness practices for young people. Big sets of data showing that mindfulness practice for young people have nowhere near the reported benefits that people suggest in they're having. They have a tiny benefit because mindfulness, it only does one of the parts of resilience I'm explaining. It does more intelligent self-watching and it, a lot of it doesn't even, it doesn't go to the, the detail that our intelligent self-watching tools go, where it really gets you thinking about these different areas. So it makes complete sense. The, the findings that Oxford have found make complete sense to me as to why the benefits of mindfulness for young people have been hugely overinflated. If we want to help young people to, to do better, we've got to teach them how to become habit mechanics. So mindfulness is almost the starting line if it's done well. It's the starting line. 
the way we're describing resilience and the, the tools we're teaching people to be resilient are going, you know, much, much further. They're, they're helping you with the, the, the rest of your life, not just understanding a bit more about yourself.